Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. Satellite Sisters, thanks for joining us today. I'm Leon Dolan here in Pasadena, California. The only other Satellite Sister who would show up on a Sunday is my sister Liz Dolan in Santa Monica. Liz, what's with those yes, other sisters? I'm just happy. What's with those other sisters? Everyone's headed somewhere today. Everyone's, you know, we. this is a very busy time for our family, so I understand. I just happen to be home for this, like, three-hour window, Leon. I'm in the United States, and then I, I got to go again, too. So, right, we uh, are gonna so fill, I'm good. I'm, yeah, we are going to fill everyone in. People have been very supportive. There are a lot of comings and goings, uh, family update at the end of the show. Um, so stay stay tuned for that. Uh, although, let's face so it. We thought we'd start with some light entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. <laughs> Liz, you you were at Can or Con this week, first of all. What, what did they say? Okay. Here, the, the Americans say Con. But nobody else in the world says con. Everyone else says can, you know? So it sort of sounds more like can than con. But anyway, I was in the south of France. I know that sounds impossibly glamorous. And it's certainly better than being in some other places. But I was there's a big annual advertising festival there called the Can Lots of these Awards. I had to go for lots of business reasons, meet with lots of people. And it was it, so business wise it was fine. But on the fun part, on the personal part, it did give me an opportunity to meet with our official Satellite Sister Summer sponsor, which is the Suncare line Sol de Janeiro. Now, we've explained this before. Our friend, our friend Mark is an entrepreneur, lives in Brazil, and he has created this incredible sun care line called Sol de Janeiro. That's S-O-L as in sun, de Janeiro as in Rio de Janeiro. And it's been introduced all over the world, and it's just making its way into the United States now. So we're really very cutting edge when it comes to the sunscreen industry here. Uh, but we've known Mark for a long time, and so we got on board the Sol de Janeiro. I was going to say we got on board the train, but really they have this cute little combi, this cute little VW bus decorated with all the Sol de Janeiro like logo stuff that travels to the most glamorous beaches in the world. And it happened to be in the south of France in Cannes for the advertising festival. So I had a chance to like have a little... I know. It is. It is. So Mark was there with the little combi and a bunch of very glamorous Brazilians in bathing suits. And, you know, you'll see because... I'm, I'm going to post the photo on the um, on the Satellite Sisters website and on our Facebook page as soon as Mark sends it to me. Uh, Mark and I in front of the combi with a couple of my friends. I wish I had some of the like beautiful Brazilians in bathing suits, but I don't. But when you see Mark in the photo, you will see why this guy needs sunscreen because he is like the palest person on the planet. So. 
I, I just call him the Sun King now. And the Sun King happened to be there at the same time I was. And But here was the problem. He almost got me thrown in jail in uh, in London, England. What? Because what right happened? before I left... To, Right before I left, on the, like when we're standing in front of the combi and they're handing out like free sunscreen to glamorous people going by, he presses on me the big, you know, like eight ounce tubes of the 50 sunscreen and then the special face stuff. And I'm like, okay, great. I take that. Of course, immediately I'm thinking it's larger than three ounces. Right. So I can't, uh, I can't carry this on. So I have to pack this in my suitcase and I have to check my suitcase. So that's my plan the next morning when I'm leaving. But it's However, well worth it, the taxi, I would imagine. I'm, well, well worth the hassle to get that sunscreen. Exactly. Totally yeah. worth it. I was not. I was totally ready to do this for the extra 15 minutes it would take me on the Los Angeles end to wait for my luggage. I would have this cutting-edge Sol de Janeiro sunscreen, which hasn't even gotten to the United States yet. So, But in the taxi on the way to the airport, unbeknownst to me, my zipper busted on my suitcase. So when we get to the airport and I go to take the suitcase out of the trunk of the taxi, the whole thing is popped open and things are spilling out. So at that point, I made that I had to like rig it together, but you can't check a bag under those circumstances, right? Right. I made the call that then I was going to have to carry it on because at least if it popped open while I was walking down a concourse, I would be there to gather all my things as opposed to checking it and who knows what would happen. So, but in this like quick decision-making process at five o'clock in the morning, I forgot that I had the gels and liquids in my, in my luggage. So then I changed planes in Heathrow. And I know this sounds glamorous, but it is not, okay? (laughs) Uh, So I'm changing planes at Heathrow. And one of the unusual things about Heathrow Airport is that even if you are just changing planes there, you have to go back through security. So you have to – Yes, yes. It does not matter that you already cleared security once in France. You have to go out and start again. Yeah, because they don't like the French, right? Yeah. They're not going to trust French security. And can I point out, the French did not find the gels and liquids in my bag. So (laughs) that's why I was not aware of it, because I should have gotten busted in France. But they didn't notice. They went right through the security and nobody in France cared. So now I've, it's completely like gone out of my mind that I have gels and liquids in my bag. Uh, I'm going back through security at Heathrow. I have a very tight connection and, and I get pulled over. Oh, uh, and so, and it's Heathrow. They're in pre Olympic security mode. So there are like twice as many security people right now in Heathrow Airport as there would be on a normal week. And everyone's wearing these fancy new uniforms. They are doing it up for the Olympics. I'm telling you, <laughs> TSA, whatever the British term for that is, cranked all the way up to 11. So, cranked yeah. to 11. Yeah. So now they pull me over and I'm like, oh God, I have like 15 minutes to make my connecting flight oh. to Los Angeles. I'm pleading with them. But in my heart, I know it's my fault, right? At this point, right. when they're like, you have something in your bag. I'm like, no, I don't. They're like, yes, you do. No, I don't. And then it dawns on me. Oh. So then I have to be compliant. What are you going to do? Yeah, they're right. Yes, I do. Oh. Oh. So then because it's like cranked up to 11, it's not just, okay, we'll take out the sunscreen and you go on your way. Leanne, they removed every single item in my suitcase. They went into every pocket 
and they took things out, it was laid all over this giant table. Every item I have, every pair of shoes, all of my cosmetics came out of the case. Oh, this was funny. I have, I travel with one of those Sonicare electric toothbrushes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's in that a, is funny right there <laughs> yeah but it's in a blue plastic travel case huh. so you you hold it up and there's like the handle and then there's the tip uh-huh. but, but you just see the molded plastic from the outside you don't know it's a toothbrush oh, God. So, the, so the woman who's searching me holds this up and she's like what is this and I know she thinks it's a vibrator yeah, right sure. of course she does and I'm like it's my toothbrush. And so she was really relieved to hear that because then she did have to click it open. And I could tell she didn't want to look at it unless it was a toothbrush. So it was a toothbrush. Okay, we got through. So, but now I'm like, please, I got to go. And she's looking at the clock and she's looking at my flight. And she said about halfway through the search, she said, I'm sorry, ma'am, there is no way you are going to make your flight. Like she was just, that was just it. You are not making your flight. We can't make this go any faster. Your gate is closing, and you're in the B concourse, and we're standing in an A concourse, which for those of you who are experts on Terminal 5 at Heathrow, it means you have to get on a subway to get to the B concourse. So you're you're screwed at this point. Right. Um, but I just refuse to believe it. So when at the point where we're all done, I'm just smashing everything back into the suitcase. And, of course, I'm concerned the whole thing is going to pop open again because I know the zipper is broken. But at this point, I don't care. And it is – I'm doing the classic, like, O.J. Simpson through Heathrow <laughs> – down the deep escalator, up the escalator, on the train. Like, I get to the B concourse. I am running down the hallway. Come on, and, Liz. You can yeah, do it. You yeah, can yeah. do it. I knew I could do it. I knew that, like, okay, I, I know she doesn't believe that I could make it, but she never travels. She just stands in the airport all day. Because I travel, I know that almost every plane leaves late. Almost every plane, even when they say the gate is closed, it is not entirely true. So, miraculously, I go running up to the gate. Nobody is there except for two gate agents. Okay. So every passenger has been loaded every, and she, she looks at me kind of quizzically. I hand her my boarding pass, my passport. She scans my boarding pass and it doesn't beep, which is a bad sign because to me, that means they have given away my seat to someone else. Right. Okay. Because that's now what you're dealing with. Now in your head, you're thinking, Oh my God, now I'm going to get downgraded. (laughs) Anyway, miraculously I made the flight, but I got all the way home with no new Sol de Janeiro product. Because after all they, of course they had to throw it away, but they had to take 20 minutes to throw it away instead of the two minutes that it would have been in a pre Olympic um, security search. And I totally understand their point of view. I agree it was my fault. I understand. But Sol de Janeiro, I tried to, I did the best I could. So some British security agent, and they need a lot of sunscreen yeah. there. So I'm hoping that somebody actually just took it home and is using it. Let's hope. Let's hope that that's the happy ending to that yes, story. Yes, you know? yes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, and Liz, I made it home. You seem to have a lot of issues at Heathrow. <laughs> well, it's just because I go there too much. I know. You know, it just is a thing. If you At any airport you spend a lot of time in, you're going to have issues. <laughs> there, are, there are just, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. And well, especially when they double up the security protocol. So you're just used to, like, speeding through things, and they are just not going to let that happen. I mean, they've been that way in England for a long time because Mm -hmm. they were experienced from all the IRA bombings. And so this is nothing new to them, and they're good at it, but 
part of the key to their whole process seems to be to be slow, to slow, <laughs> slow everything down. So there you have it. I'm home, but this old De Janeiro is not. Life goes on. Really? It could have turned out much worse. It could have. You know, and uh, while you were in con, can, con, I, I was at home. Things were happening here. It was a, a busy week on the home front, but I had to wind things up yesterday, Liz, because I was the mistress of ceremonies at a charity event. Nice. You're so good at that, Leanne. Thank you. You are, you are an excellent MC. I, I, you know what? I, I actually enjoy the role of being the MC. It's, it's my own little Katie Couric moment, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a nationally, syndica- <laughs> nationally syndicated TV show I never got. Um, yeah. But I, and I'm happy to do it. This was for an excellent nonprofit here in Pasadena that provides um, services and adoption referrals for foster girls. I mean, how can you say no to a group like that? You know? No, you, you cannot. doing good work 364 days a year, and then I show up one day a year and do something for them. So I was happy to do it, and it was called An Evening of Star Chefs. So the whole uh, – this this was one of the first of these in the country. They've been doing this for almost 50 years because um, Pasadena, we're always on the cutting edge of charity events. Yes. <laughs> it's a specialization here. Um, so it was like 49 chefs from the local area from Pasadena, Los Angeles, um, preparing meals right on site, you know, small plates and drinks. And then there were some star chefs. And, Liz, one of them was your friend Katie Chin, who has been oh. on Satellite Sisters. Yes, she has. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good to know. Right. And, yeah. And she's also a judge on, um, she's a judge on Iron Chef America. She, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. And she uh, has a book, 300 Best Recipes for Rice Cookers, Liz. I know that because I read her introduction yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the other star chef was Danielle Keene, who, did you watch the first season of Top Chef Just Desserts? No. Okay. She was a finalist in that. She's a local, you know, chef slash baker. And um, so she did not win. The pastry chef from San Francisco won. But Danielle is opening um, a new bakery in Pasadena. So she was the other star chef. But then there was a lot of luminaries. I have to say a lot of good food. And so it was your basic charity event set up with, uh, you know, VIP cocktail party, and then, um, then there was the silent auction, the mandatory live auction, the mandatory auctioning of the Shih Tzu puppy, and <laughs> dancing. Uh, too many presentations that I had to emcee, and then people were eating and drinking. So here's what I've learned, though, when you are the emcee. So just in case someone comes to you, if you're listening, Liz, you probably get approached, but you're too busy going to foreign film festivals to do this. But other people may be approached to be the MC. Just want to give you a few things I've learned now because I've done a whole bunch of these events, particularly locally. But some bigger ones on a national stage. Mm-hmm. Okay, first of all, when you are the MC, people think you are in charge of the event. Okay, yes. <laughs> they think that you've been in on every planning meeting since day one. And I'm here to tell you people that's not how it rolls. Uh, you tend to get, you say yes six months in advance. You completely forget that you have to do it. Yes. And then the script arrives like three days before the event. And you go, holy cow, I got to do that <laughs> charity event. Okay. That's how yeah. it works for me. I'm not involved in any of the planning or the execution. I show up. I, I manage to get hair and makeup done. I get in the appropriate clothes. I have my script. I'm ready to go. Okay. But I don't know, for instance you know, where the bathrooms are. But invariably, like last night, a man came out to me and said, you must know where the men's room is. <laughs> um, oh, okay. No, I don't. I don't no. actually. 
I don't know where the men's room is. Or then the auctioneer, like I just done, introduced myself on stage, just introduced three or four people. Then the auctioneer shows up. He goes, oh, you look like you're in charge. What time does the auction start? I'm like, I'm the MC. That's all I ever say at these things. I'm the MC. You know, <laughs> last night uh, a woman stopped me. She said, oh, you probably know. When does the opportunity drawing happen? I'm like, I, it happens at 8, and I happen to know that just because I'm announcing it, but not because I'm in charge. I'm just the See, MC. See, Leanne, but you, you project authority, which is why you make a good MC and why you have that aura of authority for the other people that are confused about what's going on. That's so what I, it is, Liz. I know. The band mm-hmm. wants to know what's the show flow. I'm like, okay, I'm not producing the event, but here's the show flow band, and uh, if I were producing it, I'd put you back on in two minutes. That's what i do. <laughs> so, okay. So... You know, the event goes well. Uh, the poor guy that won the puppy, he he didn't know what happened to him, Liz. I mean, why do people buy puppies at charity events? Uh, they just get carried away, and I'm sure they really regret it the next morning. Oh, most, he regretted it two minutes later. He had a Shih Tzu puppy in his arms. He was like a grown man. He was like six feet tall. I'm like, what? He just bought that puppy at a charity event. And even his girlfriend, who is a famous local newscaster, was like, why did you buy that dog? <laughs> Like, even she wasn't falling for the Shih Tzu puppy. What I appreciated was she had bought the King's jersey. You know, she bought the signed King's jersey uh, memorabilia, Stanley Cup winners, and he comes home with the puppy, uh, Mm. with the pink bow in its hair. It just cracked me up. So the evening (laughs) felt like it went on and on. But we were wrapping up. My legs were giving out. I had been there for five hours. You're on your feet a lot. Uh, I did eat a lot of the excellent food. And so then we were wrapping it up. And, Liz, wouldn't you know, lo and behold, we couldn't find the opportunity drawing tickets, Liz. Oh. <laughs> again. So Darn. Who was in woman, charge of that? The same woman found me. She's like, when is that going to happen? I was like, I don't know. I'm going back to my car now. But okay, at the end, end, end of this whole thing, they give out thank yous to all the chefs that contribute. And then there's an award for the best booth, right? Uh-huh. By this point, Liz, people have really tuned out. I mean, there's, I didn't, right. I'm not even giving out the awards on Mike. That, that duty and honor went to Christina Perez, who does Christina's Court. She's one of those syndicated TV judges. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She's a local. So, you know, I, I introduced her. She thanked all the chefs and then she's giving out the final award. And, but by now, we both know, Christina and I, no one's listening. So, again, I look at her, and she's like, let's keep moving. So we just start announcing, like, she's announcing those restaurants. I'm taking the plaques and, like, running around and handing nice, them out. Nice, nice. We're just trying to roll through this. And so she announces, like, the winner of the best booth is Sushi Roku. Hey, you know, I clap. No one else claps. Okay? And then we're done. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's start the band. And I'm, I'm going home. And I'm walking out, and one of the women who was running another food booth, Liz, from a local country club, Uh she comes tearing up to me, and she starts screaming at me that she has not won the best booth. And what a joke of an event this is, and how dare I give it to this other (laughs) restaurant. Like you're in charge of who gets it? Oh, my God, Liz. I, (laughs) I was like... Here we go. Like the law of volunteer work. No good deed goes unpunished. I right. mean, this woman was so outraged. And first of all, it was a country club, Liz. Have you ever been to country clubs? The food is terrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't usually hang out there, but it is. I have a vague recollection from history that it's always pretty mediocre. Yeah, it's not, you know, and this was... I, I like honestly when I went to eat the food, I skipped their booth because it was it was pulled pork tacos. Which, where in Los Angeles is there not a pulled pork taco these days? Right? I mean, everywhere you go, pulled pork tacos. So yeah. no, I wasn't spending any time at their booth because I was over at Roy's with the lobster pot stickers that were uh, fantastic. Okay, good choice. <laughs> or the Langham that had this unbelievable like pork belly, which is a very trendy ingredient. And truffle marinade. Oh, say no more. Like shaved truffles. Fantastic. And so she started yelling at me and then was like threatening, this was a total joke. We're never coming back here. And I, again, I just looked at her and said, I'm the MC. I don't. <laughs> it must be tempting to yell back, but then you're not really that emotionally invested in the whole problem. No. So. And you know what, Liz, and then I want, I did want to yell like, you know, it's a charity event for foster kids. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. <laughs> like, let's keep our eyes on the prize. Like that's the actual focus, not the $20 plaque for best booth. <laughs> it's just, I just, unbelie- it was unbelievable. <laughs> oh God. There you have it. So there you have it. I'm off. I'm off the MC duty for a while. My next gig is in September, so I'm taking the summer off uh, charity events. But I have signed up for another. Sheila and I will be back at the um, night of stand-up comedy. In case you're keeping track. Okay, <laughs> I would actually like to attend that this year. Oh, you should if come I could this year. Yeah, yeah, we'll be good. It'll be okay. Fun. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just just give me some advance warning so I can uh, I'll make a date for that. That would be fun. But I'm just because- the MC. I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge. But you guys are performing, right? Yeah, we're performing. Yeah, that yeah. night we're actually performing. So. Yeah. Okay. Go. All right. Okay. Speaking of performing, I know that, that there are all kinds of um, uh, promos starting to run on the air about some new TV shows. I just wanted to give you my thoughts on one TV show that just ended and one TV show that premieres tonight. Okay? The one that just ended is The Killing. Did you ever get around to watching any of that, Leanne? I have watched the first couple on Netflix, and yes. I am determined now to spend a good portion of the summer prior to the Olympics watching the other episodes. Okay. I, I loved this show, and I know there were a lot of people that were disgruntled at the end of season one uh, because – They did not solve the crime. And that's like, everyone knows that already, even if you've never watched the show. So I don't think I'm spoiling season one. Season one was fantastic. Season two, if you could stick with it, and I know a lot of people did not from looking at the ratings, uh, it's still, I found it totally satisfying. But the finale was last Sunday when I was already on a plane to a foreign land. So I was so happy that I was away all week because I could see that all kinds of critics were weighing in on did the season two finale, when you finally found out who killed Rosie Larson, was it satisfying enough? But because I didn't have to read any of this, because I was out of the country, I was very satisfied to come home Friday night, I get in from the airport, I've got it on my TiVo, I like called for some Thai food delivery, and I just sat and I watched that finale, and I, for one, really enjoyed it. Oh, good review. Good review, Liz. Yeah. So there are a couple of people that, because I posted on my Facebook page that that's what I was looking forward to Friday night, a couple of people asked the question, should they get in on the killing? Because it's available on Netflix. And I would say season one is really, really super satisfying. 
And so don't, you can't jump into season two, though, people. So make sure you start from the beginning. And if you start from the beginning and you watch multiple episodes together, it's the kind of show where if you can watch two or three episodes at a time, it's good because it's really kind of slow. But two or three episodes together, you get enough action to satisfy you. So that would be my tip on how to watch The Killing. Now you can get through two complete seasons. Yeah, you could probably get through the whole thing before the Olympics begin. That's my goal. So I would recommend that. And then the other thing I got to say, tonight we record this show on Sunday mornings. Tonight is the premiere of Aaron Sorkin's new show on CBS called Newsroom. Yes. Already already set to record it, Liz. Yes. Okay. Because I am in the television business, occasionally I see things in advance. So I will tell you that I have seen episode one and episode four of the newsroom. And if you've ever heard me talk about television before, which I know you have, Leanne, you will know that my favorite television show of all time was The West Wing. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite movies of the last decade was Social Network. The West Wing, written by Aaron Sorkin. Social Network, written by Aaron Sorkin. Okay, so now we have Newsroom, written by Aaron Sorkin. I saw this, I saw episode one and episode four like three weeks ago and loved it. Loved it. It is like everything you loved about the West Wing. It's a lot of rock'em, sock'em, walking and talking. Sure. You know, all of that walking and talking that you have in the West Wing. It's all of that crossed with broadcast news, like what it's like behind the scene in a news organization. Perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, it's a perfect show. a perfect concept for Aaron Sorkin. Yes, it is a little on the preachy side, Mm -hmm. I would say. You know, Aaron is airing out a few things that are on Aaron's mind. So I can understand why you might, you know, you kind of might have to overlook all of that. But it's sort of like... Again, if you're a West Wing fan, it's like you're back in President Bartlett's world. This is what I think. I think if you were back in the Bartlett administration and you turned on the news, this is what the news (laughs) would have looked like and sounded like. Now, we don't expect our news to look and sound like that anymore because everybody takes sides about everything and there's no real news on the news anymore. But so this is a little bit of a cross between that and what it was like in the Bartlett administration. So you just have to put yourself back in that time frame. The president is named Bartlett, and you're watching the news, and the anchor's name is, is Will McAvoy, who's played spectacularly by Jeff Daniels. So I, I've noticed, again, I was out of the country this week, but all the reviews have come out, and most of them have been brutal, which surprised me a little bit. But I'm just telling you, Give this show a chance. If you can overlook the, like, slight preachiness, I can tell you both episodes made me laugh out loud and made me cry. So there you have it. I, I just, like, keep an open mind, watch it at least once, and then you can form your judgment after that. That's everything I have to say about the newsroom later. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. You know, I started to read the review and got slightly bummed out when it was uh, bad and it said it was preachy. And then I thought, well, it's an Aaron Sorkin show. What do you yeah. think? What do you think I it's going to be? I mean, exactly. Yeah, he he has a fierce sense of right and wrong. He yeah. did he did even in Sports Night, right? Right, exactly. He, he yes. managed to make Sports Night these long soliloquies about what's right and wrong about sports. So, and that's what A Few Good Men was, and that's what The West Wing was, and that's what The Social Network was. So, guess what? That's what Newsroom is too. Yeah. Okay. So, and you know he's dating Kristen Davis now. I did not know that. Yeah, they just okay. went public this week at the premiere. Ooh. There was a big public kiss, and so there you go. I know you were out of the country, so I'll keep you up on that kind of stuff. 
Thank you very much. What else did I miss this week? You know, mercifully, you missed um, the rise and fall and fall again of Riel Hunter. Um, John. You're kidding. No, John. How how did she even get a chance to rise again? I don't understand. You know, because she got a book deal. Okay. And then then she had to go publicize the book because that's the deal, right? That's part of the deal. And uh, spectacular timing with the end of the Edwards trial and everything. Liz, I literally couldn't even watch the interviews. I just, I couldn't even watch the interviews. I just don't understand, like, why she gets so much time everywhere. Like, oh, she had an affair with a married man. End of sentence. Like, do I care what she thinks about Elizabeth Edwards? Well, I'm guessing it's not positive, you know? And the, the part I love, I don't even know what the name of the book is, and that's on purpose. Because I <laughs> am not paying attention, Chris Cuomo, no matter how many promos you do for it on Good Morning America. You know, like breaking news, like, oh, you know, she didn't say you're hot. Okay, all right. That wasn't the pickup line. I don't care. But here's the thing I reject fully. Like, how do you even have these words come out of your mouth and not not, not laugh at yourself that she wrote the book, quote, for her daughter? Really? Oh, God. Is that helpful to write a tell-all about the affair you had with the married man? The fact that you took down a presidential candidate and, well, he took himself down. I'm not dismissing him. But then, like, busted open a whole family, like, broke the heart of a woman dying of cancer, forced the daughter and the old parents to show up at at these awful trials. Your your father went on TV and denied you. That's a good thing for for a child to know. know. Over over and over again, your father denied you. That's helpful for it. Set the record straight on that. Oh, you know what, Liz? You know what she said when she saw that? She was really mad. Oh, God. It's like, oh, I just don't get it. So that hopefully we have heard the last from her. I honestly think she's my, I was like, for your daughter on what planet does this book serve any purpose other than the advance you got? But uh, anyway, so you mercifully missed that, Liz. And I'm I'm pretty sure no one's going to buy the book because anything that might have been interesting, she already said to Chris Cuomo. And, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. And then it was on 2020. So. So don't worry. You're safe. You don't have to see her again. Okay, good. I completely missed that. Excellent timing on my part. Uh, All right. Now I need a little bit of advice because this week I'm away for work again. I leave tomorrow morning. But when I get home next weekend, I have decided to take the whole fall. So the week of the 4th of July, when I would normally go to Bend, you know, I drive up to Oregon normally with my dog so the Ferris can participate in the pet parade that is every 4th of July um, in Bend, Oregon. I'm not going to make it to Bend this year just because I've been away too much and it's a good time for me to be home. We have things going on with our mom and our dad. So I thought, I'm I'm scheduling a Santa Monica staycation. Now, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I obviously don't know how to staycation because I am just caught up in this debate with myself about, okay, I have a week at home. Should I use this to catch up on all of the things around my home that I haven't done lately, like the dryer vent cleaning? I get that sort of hanging over my head that I haven't had my dryer vent cleaned in I don't know. I moved in here five years ago, so that would probably be five years. And I just, that's sort of in the back of my mind as a household thing that needs some attention. Few other things, you know, some electronics that aren't really working correctly. The, the carpet is now, has enough pet stains on it that I should probably think about replacing my carpet. So, so version A of the staycation could be the punch list, mm-hmm. you know, the working my way down that list. 
version B of the staycation is more like a vacation, is more like a, I may be staying, but I'm also vaying. So So it actually might involve one or two massage appointments. Right. It might involve just hanging out at the beach. It might involve a little bit more downtime. And I'm just not sure whether I should commit to A or B or is there a version of a staycation that is, I could say like, okay, Monday is my list day and then Tuesday, Wednesday, which day is the holiday? That's Wednesday, right? The 4th Wednesday. of July. Like actually take off. Yeah. So I don't know. You, you've staycationed in the past, haven't you, Leon? Is it, or is that, you got any thoughts for me on this? You know what? Here's the thing. What you don't want to do is work a lot. That's the trap most people fall into on the staycation. So I would say either one of those are better and will be more satisfying ultimately than staying at home and like checking in with your office every morning where it becomes a half day of work. So that's what I would caution you against. I would plan something or else it will become work days. So even if the planning is replacing your carpet, which is, I have to say, very relaxing, um, (laughs) you should plan something. And I like the combo. I think if you do a punch list Monday, Tuesday, you are going to be psyched Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay. That's what All I right. think. I would do, but I would, you're right. No one's going to show up like the 5th of July. So that's, don't even bother thinking that you're going to get someone, you know, this Friday, the 6th of July. No one's coming. So even it, the dryer vent guy who's been leaving like monthly reminders on my voicemail that I'm way overdue for a new dryer vent. Have cleaning. It come Monday and Tuesday. Get that all out of your system. Mm-hmm. So then you can really enjoy Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's what I yeah. would do. But just stay away from the work. That's That becomes the time suck. And the you know what? You know, that is a really good point because here's the thing. My job is entirely international. I don't work on the United States at all, even though I live in the United States. So the 4th of July is not a major holiday in the rest of the oh, world. Oh, right. Good <laughs> so, point. Yeah. Yeah. So I have that problem to deal with too, which I hadn't even begun to think about. Yeah. Everyone I work with is working. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, that's challenge. Yeah, no, just See, I'm, let them know. Don't get sucked into you know a phone call at two in the afternoon that will shoot your whole day. So don't get sucked okay. into that. Do that punch list because there's nothing more satisfying than that. In fact, Liz, I I'm you know I'm doing a combo. Uh, go to a funeral and then go on vacation. <laughs> good. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. But before that, we're doing more painting here at our house, and I'm psyched. Right after we get off this uh, the show, I am running over to Dunn Edwards and getting some paint for the hallway. And that that is immensely satisfying, <laughs> doing stuff like that. Okay. I know, I know that you enjoy that. You, But because you have your husband in on the deal, yeah. you know that things actually get completed. Tasks get done. Right. My problem is I get about two-thirds of the way through something, and then I run out of time or interest, and then I'm, like, back at work or I'm at the beach, and then the, the, the carpet thing is halfway done, or I have samples, but I don't pull the trigger on the installation, you know, all right. of that. So, okay. That's all a right. big job, the carpet. I know. You have, to move all, you have to move all the furniture and stuff. I know. That's why. That's, that's why not been... really a vac- That's not a vacation. But well, when else are you going to do it? I don't know. I, you know what I should maybe I should wait till I get married and make my husband move the furniture I don't yeah I I think I put it off that long I don't think that's really imminent Um, I would outsource that whole setup to mom and she can execute that plan when you're out of the country 
<laughs> Give her a couple weeks to recover, and then she'll be back on it. And okay. by September, right. she'll be ready to roll, and she will uh, she can execute that whole thing for you while you're out of the country. It's the way to do it. But get the okay. dryer vents cleaned. Get the dryer okay. vents cleaned. Because that's the one the that's place. keeping me awake at night. Yeah. You've been listening to the Satellite Sisters, and you may be asking, what just happened? And honestly, we don't know either. <laughs> we don't know what happened. Liz and I are recording along. Scott, Skype dropped out. We picked up again. We thought we were recording. I went to edit. No Liz. So here's the deal. I don't want you to miss a word, um, but we can't recover that. Uh, so I just wanted to let you know what we were thinking when Skype dropped out. We just wanted to really thank everybody for their tremendous support over the last couple weeks with our parents. And Liz was just about to launch into a story about how Monica's coming down because she and I are both going to be out of the country. Or Well, I'm not going to be out of the country, but she is. And I'm going to my uncle's funeral and Monica's stepping up. And, I, you know, it is one of those times when I feel lucky to have come from a big family because um, – We'd feel like we need someone here on the ground in Los Angeles all the time to help my mom and dad over the next couple of weeks. And so we're alternating our family vacations and people are coming in and out. And uh, while Liz goes on a business trip and I go to a funeral and then family vacation, Monica is here. But thank you so much for all the kind, kind um, emails and um, posts on the Facebook page and the blog. It has really meant the world to us. I am headed off to my Uncle Harry's funeral, and I was touched. My Uncle Harry was married to my mom's youngest sister, Patty, who passed away a couple of years ago. And I wrote a remembrance over at the Chaos Chronicles blog of him and of my Aunt Patty. They were our Boston cousins, and um, it was always fun to go see them because we had two sets of cousins that lived right across the street from each other. That's right. The oldest sister and the youngest sister lived right across the street from each other. It's as if Julie lived right across the street from me. So it was always a great time to go up to Boston. It was convenient, killing two birds with one stone, as it were with the family. So even though funerals are sad events and our uncle Harry passed away suddenly, um, it was not expected. Um, you know, it's always great to see your cousins and sadly (laughs) this point in our lives, this is mainly when we get together. So we're always grateful when one of the younger cousins gets married because at least that's a joyous event, but I'm flying off to Boston. Um, Unbelievably, Julie was already going to be there, so she's completely arranged everything for me. Hotel, ground transportation, we're in and out, but we just wanted to pay our respects to Uncle Harry because he meant so much to us growing up. He was um, he was a swimmer for his whole life. Uh, he went to Yale on a swimming scholarship and um, taught my brothers to swim on Cape Cod. And I, I was touched when I saw the In Lieu of Flowers on, on the invitation to his celebration of his life, he, he asked people to donate to the New Haven YMCA where he learned to swim. And I was just very, very touched by that. I thought that was very sweet. That's how important swimming was to his whole life, really. It led him to Yale and, and led him to, um, my wonderful Aunt Patty and they have three wonderful sons and just remained a big part of his life. So, Um, I'm looking forward to seeing my cousins and celebrating Uncle Harry's life. Anyway, um, I'm sure the sisters will try to get something together next week. (laughs) In the meantime, don't forget, call your satellite sister.